1: There's joy in every journey.
0: Ryan Clary. What's going on, Stallion? I'm doing well, my friend, Toby. How are you? Doing good. We just had Keith Law on about 15 minutes ago, so you better bring
2: it. Oh, God. All the pressure is in my court. All right, here we go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to start. We are going to get into some Nationals here as you're the host of the Locked On Nationals podcast. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But I want to start. Thursday was a fantastic day for the entire region and you got to experience it out at Old Ox Brewery. What was that
2: like? I mean, I, I just can't say enough for also all the listeners out there who showed up to it. I mean, Old Ox Brewery was a great host. I mean, the By Dan IPA was, oh, my God, what a success that they had over there at Old Ox. But even just being there on Thursday, it just I, – I, I've seen so many people cry inside that brewery. We were there last time when they officially announced that Dan Snyder signed the release to sell this team. People were literally crying right then and there. And then two days ago when we were there on Thursday, we saw more people cry. People were cheering. I mean, it was one of the craziest events I've ever been to. And I think back to the Stanley Cup and the World Series, and I truly do think that that day, I believe it was July 20th, is a day that will live in infamy here in the DMB.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It was such a fantastic day celebrating it. And here in the, the jubilation, obviously having Josh Harris call in and all the craziness that ensued. What have your thoughts been? Just, you know, the couple days that they've been here, you obviously have heard the press conference numerous times cutting it up for the station here. What have your thoughts been of Harris and the whole group?
2: Adults. They're adults, and it's really as simple as that. When I look at these guys, when they're talking in public spaces, which ways we have never seen Dan Snyder do over the course of his 20-plus year run here in Washington, D.C. It it just felt different immediately off the bat. When you see Josh Harris in front of all the fans at FedEx Field, he's up there, he's high-fiving fans in the mix of the crowd. He doesn't have 10 bodyguards around him at all times. This is a different ownership. And then you also consider the fact Magic Johnson, man. Magic Johnson, an NBA legend, a multiple-time NBA champion is part of this ownership group and have someone like him, the humanitarian that he is. It's just unbelievable to think about that. You've put this group together and you even talk about Mitchell rails. I think Mitchell rails and what he did just speaking in those two and a half, three minutes, it shows that all of these guys, they care about this. And I also like the fact that they were fans of this team. They've grown up in this area. And so a lot of people would say, Oh, well, Dan Siner grew up here too. But I think this is different from what they have shown me over the last 48 hours. They have literally shown more public figures than what Dan has ever done in his entire career owning this, uh, not national team, but this commander team or Redskins, Washington football team, whatever you want to say.
0: One last one here before we get into the Nationals. I mean, you listen to that press conference plenty of times, as you know, as the case when you're producing. So many times. Cutting it up. Was there anything that stood out? Because I think there was a lot of good things that he said, but was there anything specific that stood out to you that he said in his press conference yesterday?
2: Yeah. I like in particular when he was asked about the team name, Josh Harris made it very clear that this was not about him because the question was directed. Like, what do you think about the name Josh Harris? And he was like, well, it's not about me. It's about us. It's about the fans and the people who are going to be purchasing said jerseys or coming to the game and not sitting at home and, and enjoying it from their own environment. He, it just feels like a family environment, you know what I mean? It's very inclusive, something that we didn't really get with the Dan Snyder era. And even then, I just have faith in this group to do much better things than the previous owner with Snyder. So I think that's the best part about it, was that it didn't really make it about himself. He made it about everybody around him, and about the fans, and that's what it should be going forward.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I thought he nailed the press conference, absolutely. Well, let's go from one press conference to another, talking with Ryan Clary, host of Locked on Nationals. Dylan Cruz introduced today. Anything stand out from his press conference today?
2: Oh, yeah, when he was asked about pressure, because as you know, Toby, Dylan Cruz has had he's had a, a target on his back for the last few years at LSU. He was the number one prospect, one of the best high school prospects to enter the 2020 draft, and then all of a sudden he – skips the draft, goes to LSU, and he's had this target on his back the last three years, and he never flinched about that. And he was asked about the pressure, and he says that he leans into it. And obviously that is what you want for someone who's selected at number two overall, and in my belief who's the best player in this draft, this is someone who's going to step in this room and really be a difference maker from day one whenever he makes that major league lineup.
0: And looking at Dylan Cruz, we've talked about him extensively you know, off air as well, just talking about him as a prospect. What is the ceiling for Dylan Cruz? Is he an MVP-type player? Is he a guy that's a perennial all-star? What are you expecting out of Dylan Cruz?
2: Well, when I see Dylan Cruz, and someone actually made this comparison to me the other day, I see a lot of Andrew McCutcheon in him. And Andrew McCutcheon did win an MVP, but to answer your direct, your direct question, I do think Dylan Cruz could win an MVP. I could see him hitting 30 to 35 home runs, with even Kevin Francis, was on the broadcast over on Mass and talking about how he sees the quick hands that Anthony Rendon had. Anthony Rendon, now while he's not an MVP kind of player anymore, he certainly had that potential and that impact back in 2019, even 2018. So I think I could see the hitter kind of being like an Anthony Rendon type. I don't think he'll have the power as a Rendon, but I think he can certainly develop that because that's what they talked about a lot, the quick hands, and with that frame that he has, he kind of has that, low kind of quirky built where he can actually have some power back in the back of that swing it's just a matter if he could bring that out
0: talking with ryan clary host of the locked on nationals podcast so go into the big league club now cj abrams bobblehead night tonight he's been a totally different player in that leadoff spot but really just over the last month do you think he's turned the corner do you think he's found something
2: I think he has found something here, and I I do think it's because of being in that leadoff spot. When you give someone who's only 22 years old, hey, you're a starting shortstop in the major leagues. You try to feel that and deal with it and have everything come with that, there's a ton of pressure on the plate of someone like C.J. Abrams. So when he was batting ninth or eighth or whatever it may be, that was nice and all, but that's not what we want to see from him. That's not what the organization wants to see from him. This guy has got to be a leadoff hitter or a two-hitter at the MLB level. And I think giving him that spot has really just kind of shown confidence in what the Nationals believe in him. And that's what it should have been all along, in my opinion. And I think with all of this really success over the last month and being in that leadoff spot, I think it's going to be a great thing going forward because as we've seen so far, the results have been showing. We've been hitting the offense, has been a lot better. And getting C.J. Abrams on base, it doesn't matter – However he does it, if he gets hit by a pitch, if he gets walked, if he has a single or a bunt, this guy is a menace on the base path, and that is awesome for power hitters in the back like Elaine Thomas or Dominic Smith, Joey Manessis, all those kind of guys.
0: And I know the pace that he's been on since he's been in the leadoff spot maybe isn't fully sustainable. I mean, he's basically stealing a bag every game. He's hitting, what, 350, 360 since he's been in the leadoff spot. Mm -hmm. But do you think this is more of what C.J. is, a guy, you know, we talked with Keith Law, I asked him about him, and he said, as a prospect, you expected a guy that hit for average, gets on base, steals a lot of bags, maybe hits for a little bit of power, 15 to 20 homers. I actually think what I've seen from him this year, he could hit more than that in terms of homers. Not like he's hitting 40, but I think 25 maybe, somewhere in that range. Like, is this something that you think C.J., can be going forward where he is the leadoff guy and makes this kind of an impact for this ball club?
2: I do now. I don't think he's going to hit 350 for over the stretch <laughs> of a couple months there, but I think CJ Abrams does have that hit tool in him to where he could hit around 280 to 300 in that range. And then also kind of the, the part that we haven't really seen as much so far in the year that we've seen at CJ Abrams, that his, his speed, man, his speed on the base path can really affect games, especially with all the new rules in Major League Baseball. It makes it easier for guys like him to take advantage of it and seal all those bags. So I think when it comes to C.J. Abrams, his batting average is going to be up there. That's always That was always the promise when it came talking to C.J. Abrams, the prospect. Now whether if he can get on base and can add some more power, which I do think he can add more power now, Will that be in home runs or doubles and triples? We'll just have to see. But I do think he has that ceiling to hit around 20 home runs. And for a leadoff spot, for someone who's going to hopefully steal 30-plus bags someday, maybe 40, that's a huge step up for someone who's only 22.
0: Talking with Ryan Cleary from Locked On Nationals, it's crazy that we're at this point of the season, Ryan, where we're looking at the trade deadline, but it's quickly approaching. What do you expect for the Nationals to do at the trade deadline?
2: Well, I, I we're definitely going to sell, I can tell you that much. J. Merrick Candelario, the third baseman, he's going to have a hot market. I, I look at teams like maybe even the Yankees, the Diamondbacks, uh, and who really knows? You never know with the trade deadline with teams and what they want to fill. But I look at guys also in the back end of the bullpen, like maybe Hunter Harvey prior to his injury, but since that injury, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Carl Edwards Jr. could be getting moved. And I think Kyle Finnegan is going to be a hot name, as well on this market, that I think not a lot of people are really expecting to be that hot commodity. But I think when I look at Kyle Finnegan, I see someone who, if he was with the Tampa Bay Rays or the Los Angeles Dodgers, I could just see him working out and they would find something with him because I've always believed in the stuff of Kyle Finnegan. I just think that the Nationals, in some times, aren't the best at developing guys like that who are very raw but has really looked good so far over the last course of the year.
0: you think there's any chance they move Lane Thomas? I don't want them to. You know, we've talked about this plenty of times. I kind of get the sense that they're not going to, but what do you think?
2: Over the last few weeks, honestly, like a, a month ago, if you were to ask me that, I would have said no, no chance. But as we inch closer to the deadline, I think Mike Rizzo is going to take a shot at it. I think he's definitely going to feel calls for Lane Thomas. He was asked about it in his press conference, I believe, over the last week, and he did say that we are open for business. And I think he was specifically asked about Lane Thomas, and I don't think he said yes or no to that, but even then, it would make sense to move him now. Do you believe in Lane Thomas and what he does going forward with all the prospects that you have, or do you think that you could sell high at this moment in time and get whatever you can for him? Because Lane Thomas, the discussion has always been can this guy be a fourth outfielder, outfielder on a winning team? And I think he's kind of blown past those expectations. And teams could be looking for someone that could play any outfield position. He's going to hit for average. He's got sneaky pop. He can run the bases, and he plays a great defensive right field if you stick him anywhere out in the outfield. So I think that's going to be a commodity for a team. It's just whether or not a team will meet the price that Rizzo's going to make.
0: And then one more on the trade deadline before we get into some more big picture things. Jamer Candelario, I think that in terms of third baseman in the National League this year, you could argue he's been up there with just about anybody at the plate, defensively. I think he's been very valuable for this team. They're going to move him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. What do you think he fetches at the trade deadline?
2: Oh, man. I mean, I I don't think Candelario is going to fetch like a big-time prospect, but I could see the Nationals getting a relatively decent-sized prospect, whether that be a top 100 guy. If it is someone like that, then it would probably be or very much likely be in the back half of that top 100. But J.R. Candelario, like I said, he's on a one-year deal. It's going to be a rental. No one's going to give up a big-time prospect for that. But what teams could do is that they could try to pack tag in like a Kyle Finnegan and that's what the Nationals may want to do as well and tag in another player to try to get a better prospect in return overall at least if I was a GM that's what I'd be doing I'd be trying to tag in Candelario maybe even Lane Thomas in that and try to capitalize on that and get the best player possible in a trade
0: two more for you here talking with Ryan Clary from Locked On Nationals and D. How do they fix this bullpen? And not even talking about specifically this season, because we've talked about possibly trading Harvey, Finnegan, Edwards. Going forward, I mean, hopefully this team's competitive in the next couple of years. But this bullpen right now is anything but competitive. How do they fix that?
2: <laughs> I mean, the bullpen, there's no fix for this year. I think, you, I think we all know that at this point. But I think it just goes into depth in the system. And I think when you have a decade-long run of success like the Nationals did, you're going to juice a lot of guys that come up through your system like a Tyler Clipper back in the day, someone who's not really the hottest of commodities, but you develop him down in the minors and he comes to the Nationals and he was very good for us. you look at guys like Drew Storen, another first-round pick, while his career wasn't as planned, it still was a decent one. He was a good, reliable arm there for a little bit. But then you sell off a lot of these guys like Blake, Blake Trinan And you think back to other guys like a Jesus Lizardo who could have been in the Nationals bullpen at that time. So I I just think that the Nationals will have to keep continuing to take a bite out of the apple and drafting guys in those mid-rounds, and they could be something down the line. But I also think when you have young talent in there like an Amos Willingham or a Jose Frere, I think you have to give those guys all the opportunities in the world to really develop their craft and make sure that they are comfortable at the major league level because those are the future of your bullpen. So you have to keep them healthy first and foremost, but you also have to give them every advantage in the book.
0: Last one here for you, Ryan, before we let you go. What are you looking for? got a couple more months left in the season. What are you looking for the rest of the way? What are you watching?
2: Well, I know we've talked about this, Toby, and when we're talking specifically about Mackenzie Gore, I need to see Mackenzie Gore to finish this year healthy. Because last year in his rookie season, he did not finish healthy. He was shut down as soon as he got to the Nationals. And so far this season, I think he's looked really good. Obviously, he's had some tough stretches here over the last few months or so. But when you look at what he can do, and also C.J. Abrams and Josiah Gray and all the young guys who are a priority for this future, you want to see them stay healthy because there's no developing when you're sitting on the bench. It's just as simple as that. So you have to keep these young guys healthy going forward and continue this rebuild, as those are some of the core guys of this thing. It's not going to work out. This rebuild will not work if you don't have a healthy C.J. Abrams, if you don't have a healthy Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, and Keeber Ruiz. So I think health is wealth for this team going forward, but you also have to develop them when they stay healthy and really keep an eye out and don't really stretch these guys out. This is not a winning team. We're not going to be winning many baseballs games the rest of the year. So keep them healthy. Keep them developed and give them the opportunity to take that next step like we've done with C.J. Abrams over the last few weeks.
0: Ryan, appreciate the time, man. Got any fun plans for the weekend? I mean, I guess it's already mostly done with Saturday, but got any fun plans?
2: <laughs> I got nothing this weekend, man. Sitting
0: around. <laughs> well, get rested up. It was a pretty busy Thursday and Friday for you. appreciate you joining us.
2: No problem, Toby. Thank you. Okay, picture this.
1: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.